So Lucy, how's the book going? I did actually work on it a little. Oh my goodness, that's excellent. So how is your book going, Robin? You know what? It's going pretty darn good. Yay! This is right for me, right for you, and we are definitely going to write a book this year. Definitely. I am making pretty swift progress. Like, I think I'm maybe at the halfway mark. I'm definitely in the middle of my book. I'm out of the beginning. It's Mm. very exciting. I'm very excited because I have been able to read some of your book, and I've been enjoying that immensely. Yay, thank you. It's so good. I've been reading it before bed every night, and it's just, like, so comforting because these are characters I already know and love, so I'm just, like, visiting old (laughs) friends before bed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it definitely will be, like, less comforting for a reader who doesn't have your experience (laughs) of it, I hope. I mean, not that it's like a disturbing book, like it shouldn't be, but it definitely has. I don't know. It's 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 a spooky book, so it might be. It's a spooky book. I think yeah. it will still like really connect with readers, though. I I think I think the characters are really likable. Oh man, this is making me feel so good. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you got some writing done too. That's awesome. Yeah, it was just a a little bit on. So I'm kind of have this problem where I'm like. There are two different projects I'm working on, right? I'm trying to finish my old mostly done work in progress, and I'm trying to start my new one. And yeah, so I kind of made headway on both, which was nice. Um, wow. But I actually, I didn't start like writing like the book proper, but um, during one of our writing nights, I did like I did a guided exercise for everybody, and I did that along with it. And so I started oh, yeah. like visualizing the like the bedroom and stuff and thus kind of like learning more about the family of one of my main characters and just kind of like getting more of a feel for how she sort of exists in her world and that was really helpful and I'm kind of excited to keep doing that and then eventually get to actually writing her. (laughs) Oh yeah, oh man, anything that like lets you inhabit the story that you're writing. I, I know that for me a bit of it is that like I've spent a lot of time each day, like, trying to take some action and do some things that are helpful for the world around me. And then at some point, I'm like, ooh, I can't do that 24-7 because Mm -hmm. I will just emotionally and mentally collapse. And it is definitely the case that I am escaping into inhabiting this world that I'm writing about. It is set in 1998. And you know what? It's not like things were better in 1998. (laughs) But the characters are younger than me. And so Mm -hmm. they don't know. (laughs) And it's kind of nice to be like just having to do the the mental backflips of imagining a pre-cell phone. I mean, they don't have cell phones. People had cell phones. They Mm. certainly don't have cell phones. Like being in that place, it is different for me. Like it is taking me out of like the current space that I'm in and all of the issues I'm dealing with right now and like worrying about the world around me and like doing the little things I can do to help. Like, Mm, sometimes I need to just get away from that. So I can definitely say that writing has been a coping mechanism for me. And there are days where I can't write 
because there's no way that I can focus on something like that. And then there are days where I'm like, cool, I guess I'm writing today because I can't focus on anything else. <laughs> so that's my kind of semi-functional weird space that I'm in. Thank you, my book, for existing so that I can <laughs> have a place to go. <laughs> yeah, and my big thing is I got through my finals and Yay! the end of spring term, and now it's summer for me, and I have the whole summer off from school anyway. And um, so I'm trying to build writing into my day better because the yeah. the most fun I have when writing, and one of the reasons I really love doing National Novel Writing Month is writing every day and just keeping my brain constantly in that story so I don't have to like sit down and spend like the first part of my writing time just reminding myself what was going on and, and getting oh, yes. back in that mode. Like to just instantly be in there every day because I've I was doing it yesterday is so nice and so comforting and I kind of need to get back into that mode and so I'm hoping to kind of like building good writing habits um this last week has been a little bit weird since finals ended but as in you know you're gonna like relax and not really have a good schedule and then there's also been a lot of stuff we're trying to get done so <laughs> I'm hoping to have a better uh routine next week absolutely I mean it's interesting because I'm like, oh, I'm halfway through and Lucy's just beginning. And I don't think either of us are stressed about that at all. Lucy writes very quickly. Um, like once you're in a book, like that thing you described about how if you have the habit of writing every day, like I know that you personally are really good at that. At just like being in there. You're really good at not re-editing constantly while you mm. work too. Like you just like you let the story flow, and then you go back and fix it. Mm -hmm. And of course, that is a much faster and more like, boy, that's a more efficient way of writing <laughs> than constantly rereading and tweaking things and then going back and writing, which is definitely what I do. So I know it takes me longer to write than Lucy. So it's good that I have a little <laughs> bit of a head start on you. Well, it's not a competition. We both are working towards oh, no, no, the same no. goal. <laughs> oh, not a, yeah, no. I just like in order for us to finish around the same time, I probably yeah. need to have started earlier. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we kind of wanted to talk about. Well, I kind of wanted to ask you about something that I know you have a little bit more experience than me, and that is kind of the the act of writing a story that's serialized as opposed to you know published as one finished chunk. And I mean serialized like chapter by chapter, even page by page, if we're talking like web comics and stuff, not like, you know, book one, book two, book three. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you brought up that topic, I've been talking to other people about this a lot recently too, especially uh, my little brother who is working on a sequel series to his um, web comic. And <gasps> is it a sequel series? I didn't realize it was a sequel. I'm Maybe excited. that was a secret. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was. Okay. I haven't finished his the first round because I'm a horrible friend. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like in that conversation, we realized that both of us, like a lot of our inspiration for writing has come out of an obsession with serialized fiction, um, whether that was TV shows or cartoons or uh, especially like superhero comics. We read a lot of American comics as kids, and we also read a lot of manga, many of which were big, long series that were very serialized. Um, and of course, we didn't primarily read manga and magazines where it would be serialized by chapter, but it mm -hmm. is almost all of it is originally published that way as well. So there is a different experience as a reader, 
or even a viewer, right, a watcher of mm-hmm. of a serialized thing. Like that's a lot more hours that you spend incrementally getting a story. You need to have things repeated way more often because you actually won't remember what happened a few pages earlier. You may not even mm-hmm. have it in front of you. So like I realize that I have a few bad habits when I'm writing something that's not serialized where I want to repeat things too many times to cement them in the mind of a, of a reader. And I don't need to do that when it just happened. Like for them, they read it 20 minutes ago. For me, I'm thinking about it as being read two weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Because my brain is so centered on serialized fiction. But also, it's a long period of time to get into a world. It's a long period of time to sit with these characters. Things develop over this much longer period of time. And I really value stories that are like this. Um, Like, I know that this is a thing that does get me excited. Some of my favorite things in the world are these really, really long serials. And it's weird. Like, there there are so many pitfalls. Um, With Western comics, one of the problems that you have is that it's not the same writers and illustrators every Mm -hmm. week or every, every month. But it's also like, if the character has existed for 40 or 50 or more years, they've almost had to be rebooted multiple times because their audience hasn't been there from the beginning. And it's hard to bring in new readers with, to like be deeply confused as they enter into a story that is like actually years in the middle, right? Like that's mm-hmm. difficult. And it's one of the reasons why TV series that are more episodic versus TV TV series that have like a really long through line where each episode is really connected to the one before it, like ones that are episodic are more valuable for syndication and especially for children's TV have been preferred because they can be aired in any order in blocks and whatever. Like they're easier to schedule than something that requires you to have watched the last episode and paid attention and remember it. Um, anybody who tried to watch like Avatar The Last Airbender on TV as it came out knows that kids tv channels aren't great at airing everything in order all the time because they have all kinds of like their own programming things going on and it's very difficult to like be able to like pay like get all those things in order so there's all these like issues with why something serialized can be difficult to like secure for yourself. Like when you're a person who's trying to write a novel or write something, if you are like me and you really love the kinds of stories that are serialized, you want that development over so long, it can be hard to like pull back from that Hmm. when you realize that your publisher is not in fact excited about a 10 book series from someone who has not sold a single book so far. (laughs) Um, That can be a whole pile of issues. So I want to like get there eventually, but there's so much to say about like why a serialized thing feels different and like what it offers and like I don't know like what other questions you have about this like how do you feel about serialized fiction writing oh, it versus reading it Oh well it's interesting cuz like as you were talking about the stuff you've read I realized that I haven't actually read much stuff in serialization like I've read a lot of like collections of things that were originally serialized like manga or comics or even with TV shows and stuff, I don't really like tend to tune in week by week. I usually, at this point, like watch it in a chunk on Netflix when it comes out, and not even in like a binge chunk. I just like I like watching it kind of over a period of time, but not not like with the consistency of like I tune in every week at the same time. And like, I think the most I've had experience with that may have actually been like web comics, but even yeah. those, I'm bad at like tuning in week after week 
I'm I'm I much more do the thing where I just like dip in once or twice a year and read either reread all of it or read uh, you know the chunk that I haven't read yet. Yeah, archive then, binging. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just I haven't really encountered it all that much because I didn't grow up with um much like superhero comics and stuff. I did get it probably the most reliably from like um sa- like like uh newspaper cartoons. Yeah. Um, but it's probably the most I had. And even those, I would actually buy the collections of them and read in big chunks. But I would also read them every day. So that may be the closest I've really had. Um, I encounter it a lot with uh, fan fiction. Like, that's how a lot of fan fiction is released. Definitely. Which I also am bad at reading as it comes out and usually read oh, in no. chunks. <laughs> like, I used to do this thing where I actually wouldn't start reading stories that weren't complete. Um, and with that, it was partially because I especially like in middle school when I was reading it more, I got burned a lot by things that never ended. Like I'd start reading it and then realized that the last chapter came out months ago and had never been updated and might never be Ugh. updated again. And that just Always was a too, tragedy. yeah, it was too sad after a while to get really invested in this story and then never have it end. So I kind of am, am less precious about it now when I read stuff, I don't really care, but um it's a consideration I've had because I do write my own and most of it's not up anywhere, partially because I don't want to post it until it's done because yeah, I don't want the potential of like abandoning it and having readers be sad. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is a really interesting consideration for serialization that if you don't know you're going to get to finish the whole thing, are you going to be okay with leaving it off somewhere? This is a huge issue for webcomics folks. And, mm-hmm. you know, here, like, I'm working on a webcomic that I've been working on with my partner for many years at this point, and we're not leaving it anywhere. Like, we're going to finish it, mm-hmm. and we love working on it. Um, we are not as good at updating every week as we'd like to be because, I don't know, I have other books and things going on. Like, mm-hmm. I had huge deadlines with my publisher at this last couple months, and it's been really hard to draw other comic pages at the same time and have to be invested in that world. Like, that's so hard to get my head into there. But usually, it's been a really good experience to have this project where consistently a couple times a week, I can go back to that world and care about those characters and like keep my brain in that space. Um, It's been great. It's also been humbling to realize how difficult it is to pull off a serialized story that feels like everything was planned from the beginning, Mm. um, which most things that do that do a lot of quiet editing (laughs) where you don't realize how much decisions were made afterward and kind of like sneaked in where if you're recording for example a podcast you actually record a couple like a month or so ahead of time so that Mm -hmm. it's ready if you realize that you're going to go somewhere different with the story that you could like fix something um it's a great way to look like a super genius writer when (laughs) which sometimes you are like sometimes while you're working on something like you are able to improvise something that it just fits perfectly and is so brilliant and it was planned you know looks like it was planned from the beginning but sometimes you didn't have a chance to do that you had to like edit backwards that is the issue with a serial Mm -hmm. is that it is harder to edit with a single standalone book like you get to the end of the book and you edit it until it's sparkly with a serial you edit each chunk but you don't have the opportunity to go back and perfectly make the first chapter, like, set up everything for the final part of the story. 
it forces you to try to do that planning at the beginning or to forego worrying about that at all, or to hope that you can improvise that, which is a hugely difficult feat to set yourself up for. Um, I'd like to think that we are achieving that with Vishala, like that we've planted things early on because we did a ton of planning, which mm-hmm. is one of the keys. One of the keys to doing a serial is that you do a lot of planning and then you leave room to improvise so that it stays fresh each week or each mm-hmm. installation, like installment, installation, installment, not the same word here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that is part of like the balance that you are working on with a serial, right? Is like, okay, how much of this is is pre-planned versus how much of it is improvisation at the moment that helps it stay alive and fresh. Um, Because when you're working on a book, you are also balancing those things, but nobody watches the balance. It's all part of your process as opposed to part of the finished product. Mm. Yeah, it occurs to me that this really speaks to how we're different and how we write too. Yes. Like, Like we were saying in the beginning, you, you know, write more like slower but more like meticulously i guess like you you are editing as you go more or less like i don't, I don't know exactly if you're doing it like I, daily I do or okay <laughs> um whereas i really don't like i really i mean sometimes i will especially if i get stuck i'll sometimes go back and like try and get myself back in the story by like editing the early parts but for the most part i just like race to the finish line and then go back and so the like the idea of publishing early stuff when i don't quite know what the ending is going to be is really terrifying because i wouldn't be able to build in all the stuff that i frequently add like later and not in my first draft like that gets added in on like my second or third read through if not yeah full on draft absolutely it's so weird when you're writing a serial to be like wow any genius I have in here has to come across immediately. Like, I can't fix it that much. Mm. And of course, you kind of can, especially with webcomics and things that are, like, not professional. Like, things where, you know, not that the work isn't professional quality, but where it's your, it's, you know, indie stuff, where yeah. it's on your schedule. You can always go back and edit a page. And it will create a time paradox in the <laughs> minds of your readers, but it's fine like you can do that there's nothing stopping you Mm -hmm. um it's just that it's it's kind of like a difficult thing to wrap your head around and it's a difficult part of the process it's also part of why there is something really organic and pleasing about reading a serial that isn't perfect because you do get to see the hand of the author you're Mm -hmm. not seeing something that is as edited or as clear-cut you're seeing something that will have elements that don't go anywhere and while that sounds like a bad thing it's also something that can be really interesting and for a lot of like superhero comics that we used that i I grew up reading we would absolutely get really excited about elements that got dropped just unceremoniously it is a little weird to be influenced by work that has flaws that are that glaring because a part of you thinks you can do that in your own work a part of you might even be sort of attracted to those flaws Mm -hmm. and maybe not even see them as something to avoid in your work and maybe they are something that you can explore and use on purpose. Um, but boy, is it going to be a little tricky for your editor to sign off on some things like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we've all read professional novels that do things like this, sometimes because it's such an established author that the, their editor is letting things slide, sometimes between because the book is like impressive on a level where people maybe think some of those elements 
are important to the book and need to be left there. Like, I've read all kinds of things where I was like, ooh, I might have edited this a little more tightly, but I might have lost something if I did. Mm. Um, I think it's it's tricky that, like, you may be held to a stricter editing standard than a favorite book of yours mm. or a favorite story of yours. Like, that's, for me, been really hard to wrap my head around as I'm working professionally. That, like, oh, here are things I've seen other writers do that I'm being told I shouldn't do. Yeah, I think that there is definitely uh, a level of that you can get away with more. Like you said, the more career you have, like the more backlist you have, the more you've worked with the same editor. Um, not that the editor is getting like lazy or anything, but it it just, I think the fo- focus shifts a little bit. Whereas when you're a new writer um, in that like newly published there's going to be more um, concern about all of those details. Yeah. They want to help make it as polished as possible. And at some point, that may not be the most important element of your process. Mm-hmm. Well, and from strictly like a, a kind of heartless sales perspective, like once you're an established author, they know people are going to buy the book. Even if it's got some like flaws in it, you've got that established audience that's going to eat it up anyway. Whereas if you're a new book, um, there's nobody there necessarily to buy it. So it has to be at its very yes. top It has thing. to sparkle, sparkle. Sparkle, sparkle. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, some of this that we were discussing kind of brought up something for me with regards to like, if you're a person like me, right, who really likes those stories that have the breadth and the depth of a serialization, right? You love that a TV show spent a hundred something hours exploring characters that a movie would have only had an hour mm-hmm. and a half for. You love the development that happens. What do you do when you realize that pitching a series is not in the cards for you at the moment? Like, what do you do if your editor or your agent says, cool, we're going to focus on a standalone novel, though? Mm-hmm. Like, we're not ready for your sci-fi epic. We're not ready for, like, a franchise you're constructing. We just want you to do something that stands on its own so that we can give you a try. Um, how do you wrench your serialization brain into the scope of a novel? And I think, like, this could be the beginning of us having some interesting conversations about scope in general mm-hmm. and, like, the the – push-pull of where you focus a novel. But I think that, like, we could really quickly talk about that. Like, if you realize that your story needs to have way more than two perspectives, needs to cover way, like, years and years and, and tons of travel, if you realize that there's just a lot of space between each of your scenes and just, the, like, the the breadth of your story the width of your story is just wildly something that cannot be condensed into let's say eighty thousand words mm-hmm. like if if you're like wow this is like i'm writing the outline and i already know that there are three books here <laughs> how do you focus in on just one section of that right like how do you wrap your hat around what a standalone is Yeah, that's really hard, especially because even with a series, it's not one continuous story. Like you have to still within each book have, you know, like rising action and climax and some sort of resolution, even if it leaves things open. Like you think like Lord of the Rings, those are each full books with like their own rising action, but they're part of like a large epic trilogy. And that's a different thing than just outlining one really long story. 
you know, that's a great example that you brought up, actually, because while many people will consider Lord of the Rings to be like a quintessential long trilogy and they're very long books, mm. it is nothing compared to the project in his mind. Mm. He, you know, like the the book that exists now as the Silmarillion is almost like the notes for the world building that was what he was really interested in doing. He had to take something whose scope was so huge. It is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of literally just history. Mm -hmm. Like there isn't a story. It is the history of another world because he was a historian and linguist. So that was what was fascinating to him. Building a world out of these other parts, that was what mattered to him. When he realized he was writing stories, he had to focus down on, well, what is a story? And so, because he was, again, you know, like, interested in, like, early, like, I think it's, I mean, early Western, like, epic poems and that kind of literature was, like, one of the things that he was a professor of. Like, that was his focus. He could take elements of stories like that and figure out how to build a novel around it. And that was sort of one of, like, the origin points of Western fantasy fiction. Um, I think it's interesting to have brought him up because he is someone who had to make that decision mm -hmm. of, like, okay, I can't just write the history of this other world. I can't just do that. That's not really a book. <laughs> so one way that he did narrow that scope was to focus on a specific character with a specific goal and specific object obstacles, right? To focus in smaller and smaller on one aspect of the story. And it may feel like a wrench. It may feel wrong at first because you're so certain that the story is all this other stuff. This is a distraction. This is a minor part of it. And you may be right in terms of if you're thinking about it as a world you're bringing to life. And that is, of course, like as a creator, even if it's realistic fiction, bringing that world to life is sort of the big, important, beautiful job that you have. But you have to have an entry point for the reader. And that's where your plot and your characters come in. Is <laughs> like there's something more specific and more focused. And the closer in you can get, you can be like, okay, could this story actually take place in two months? Could this story take place in a week? Can I t remove some of the space between the scenes? Like, does this need to be something that is about the entire life of a character? Or can I focus on one specific event? Because when you realize you are allowed to focus in on specifics, you're like, oh, okay, that means I can get deeper and richer rather than just wider and broader. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's something I've struggled more. Like, I don't do serialization, but I have even recently had to take a larger story and then try and, like, pull a short story out of it. Um, as we've talked about my, like, upcoming work in progress, my D&D story... I originally planned it as like a novel, then did a short story uh, like in that world or with those characters for a class, and I'm now actually going back to the idea of a novel. So it's been a kind of really back and forth process um, where I first had to like, exactly like you're saying, where I had to like focus in on just like one character and figure out what their plot line and what their most like immediate little hurdle was. And um tackle that before I could then pull back and figure out what how they fit into the larger story and how I would like incorporate pieces of that but without that being the main focus because now of course it has to go past that you know the scope of the little story yeah it's also interesting because you brought up describing how each Lord of the Rings book has the the rising action and the conclusion mm -hmm. and 
one of the things about serialization is that if you're writing like a webcomic, for example, and each week has one page, mm-hmm. or maybe even one to four pages of an installment, um, that's a whole interesting thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, each page has to kind of work on its own. Even if you're writing not a serialized thing, comic pages sort of have to have a page turn, where mm-hmm. by the end of the page, it can't just leave off. You're picking the exact action to show in each page very much the way you would pick a paragraph mm-hmm. in a novel, where like it, there's sort of a complete thought, and it may be slightly scattered, and it may be more than one thought, but the page needs to end in such a way that it, that you want to turn the page because you need to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like each page, each installment of a serialized uh, of a serialized thing may have a little bit of the structure of a whole book, a little bit of a like rising action kind of feel. But for people who view a story on these really, really wide, wide scopes of like it's an entire history of a world, it can be hard to think at all about the things that we would consider to be the structure of a novel. Mm. What is the beginning, middle, and end? Well, you're like, well, the beginning is the creation of the world. The middle is everything that happens, and the end is when it gets destroyed by <laughs> entropy. And you're like, cool. <laughs> like, that is literally, like, sure, totally. Yeah. Like, big bang, everything, entropy, got it. But that is also like highly unlikely to be something that you can form into a coherent readable, sellable book. Mm -hmm. And if you don't care about that, then don't even worry about it. Like, (laughs) do the thing that you want to do. But if you're realizing that you're getting feedback from an agent or an editor who's like, "Mm, I'm not sure what to do with this project because it just feels so broad and I don't know where to focus. And it kind of just feels like a history and a bunch of a list of things that happen. And I don't know what you mean by it, that's where you start to maybe do a little research into story structure about like, okay, if everyone is telling me that I need a beginning, middle and end, like, what are those things? Mm. Like, what is interesting to me when I read a story other than the world building? Um, But also with a serialization, it's that you can't get as deep into each character's backstory. You can't see as much of what they're going to do in the future. Um, you can't have as many characters. One of the biggest tricks, if you realize your book is just going to go on forever, <laughs> the harshest, worst truth is you probably need to cut the cast a little bit. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that there are probably too many characters and you want to be a good writer and give each of them fair shrift and you want to make sure that each of them has a really good story arc and you're like, ooh, but there's seven of them and all of a sudden you're barely through the beginning of the book and you're 70,000 pages in and that's not going to work. So you probably need to like cut the cast a little bit. Mm is a really good way. Like, focus in, are there characters who are redundant with each other? Are there characters who are there because you're trying to be really, really, really inclusive of all perspectives, but now you're losing the depth of perspective because you can't spend the time with any of those characters to actually get into what makes them unique and interesting and representative? Mm -hmm. Um, That is a big problem. Like, that's a thing to think about is, like, you can't do that. The reason no media does that perfectly is that it literally can't. Um, So it's probably better to be – to have a richer, more detailed, like, focused thing that is really good at portraying the perspectives that you are able to get deeply into than something where you're trying to broadly – scoop everything up and put it in. <laughs> yeah. All of that being said, um, 
this is one of the reasons why people do choose to do webcomics or publish mm-hmm. fiction on places like Wattpad and um, fanfiction type sites. Like one of the reasons why sometimes you want to have the control to just get to tell a story in that format without having to sell an editor on it selling 100,000 copies. (laughs) Like sometimes that is what you want. It's the thing you want most in the world is to tell this one story that has to be serialized. And that is one of the reasons why staying indie is sometimes the right thing for a particular project, or maybe the only viable option for it. It can be kind of difficult to let something you care about that much live or die based on whether you get a specific kind of sales numbers. Like, that's not necessarily an indication of whether the project is worth doing. It's just whether it can make money. And, you know, it's nice that in this age of the internet, that isn't the only concern for a book. It's accessible to do stories without a printing press behind (laughs) you. Yeah. And I like with webcomics especially, um, I've known a lot of people who will redo a lot of things for the like official print version especially if they end up going with like a publisher as opposed to self-publishing like the comic yeah. as a print version and that can be a really good incentive for your readers to get the physical thing even though they've already read the story because like they'll get to see like the first chapter redone with your you know four years later art style or oh, whatever yeah. or like like it's the definitive version you had a chance to go back and edit that's a really mm-hmm. cool point about how webcomics work like i love that yeah it's also a fun way to practice for yourself and learn that you can do that and learn how you how your process works for that. And then also show publishers, look, I can finish a thing and yes. I it can appeal to a certain number of people without any of your help. And then, you know, that gives them an incentive to, you know, be able to put their, their marketing team behind your next project or, or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. So, <laughs> so <laughs> no interest in deterring anybody from doing a project like this. Just kind yeah. of talking about what happens when you realize that you you currently are not in a place where your project can be serialized, and you need to learn how to approach things differently. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap us up for this week, though. Yeah. We got to go do some writing. Yeah, I, I need to get some writing done too. And it's we're recording this on Wednesday, which is our writing night on Twitter. So, yeah. Oh, that's really exciting. I'm excited for writing night. Yeah, me too. It's the most productive I am all week as far as writing goes. So, Oh my goodness. Good. Yay. <laughs> okay, Lucy, I'll make you a deal. If you write for me, I'll write for you. Deal. Happy writing. Mm-hmm.